Okay. Oh yeah. All right. We have a volunteer. Volunteer standing out right over there. Danielle. Awesome. That's the. Yeah, that's a lot of prompting going on. That's good. Well, that's you probably got help from all the people who pointed at you to do it, so that's good. Uh, Danielle, do you like chocolate at all or no? You like chocolate or no? You don't? Okay, well, it's, it's a two-sided donut, so you can just eat one side of it. That's, happened here, I'm pretty sure. So, um, anyways, we'll go ahead and pray, and we're going to get ready to uh, to jump in. We're going to be looking at Acts uh, 16 today, and um, just a few thoughts, a few examples that are recorded in Acts that hopefully will encourage us. But um, we'll pray, we'll look at those, and then we will um, party on here. I think we have a, a birthday party slash graduation party this afternoon to to enjoy. What's that birthday? Birthday. Birthday Grayson or something like that. Okay, yeah, can't pronounce that, but uh, maybe at some point if we get done early, we'll sing Happy Birthday to you, Jeremy. How's that sound? Okay, good. We'll pray. All right. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for bringing us together. We thank you that we can uh, just meet in your presence and have fun together, just as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you that it is a, a gift that you have given us eternal life. And even though we have all earned um, the wages that we've earned is death, Lord, we just thank you for uh, giving us this gift of eternal life. I pray, Lord, that the, as we look at your word this morning, that you would open it up to us. I pray you'd speak to us personally. I pray that for each one one of us, um, like the psalm says, um, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things today um, from your word. And so we just commit this time to ask you to redeem the few short minutes we have together. Um, and I offer up, Lord, these just few uh, loaves and fish of, of thoughts you've given me. I pray you bless and multiply them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, if you have the house Bible here, um, you can open it up and uh, look with me here at Acts chapter 16. And today, this is the. Uh, we've been going at a pace a lot of times of one chapter per Sunday. And this chapter, for whatever reason, it seems like we've slowed down a little bit. And um, we're going to keep with that here. We're, uh, we're going to do just a couple uh, sections of this chapter. We won't even finish it today. Um, so uh, I hope that's okay. It is okay. I'm your pastor. It's okay. You can. So, uh, 
Anyways, I used to, when Rick Whitney was here helping uh, you know, teach and go through teaching schedules, he would just always say, you know, whatever's on your heart, share it with them. If you're in a series and you want to stop the series, it's okay. They probably didn't remember they were in a series anyways. And all sorts of things. So we'll do a little pastoral flexibility here from time to time. But we'll, we'll read um, this section. We're going to look. We mentioned it last week a little bit about Lydia. Just a uh, little uh, few sentences about her. We're going to look at that and look at some examples from her for our um, kind of to set the stage here. So we're actually going to start in verse 10. So we'll uh, have a transition verse from the last uh, section there and then we'll go down to verse 15 here for starters. And um, let's see, verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and leading city in that district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, and was a worshiper who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So we are going to start right there. Um, you know, an interesting thing, a lot, some of these words I've been listening on online, you can have different people who read the Bible and you can kind of hear how they pronounce these. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, some of these words, it's potato and potato, oh, potato and potato, I think that's tomato and tomato, things like that. And some of these pronunciations, you know, uh, there's, there's some variance in them, but um, we'll hopefully, um, we can go with the ones that, that I threw out here for now. But um, anyways, uh, so they were going to the city here. They felt like God had called them to go to Macedonia to preach. And they end up going through a few cities, but they end up in Philippi here. That's how I pronounce it some. Pronounce it Philippi. I like Philippi. Um, but, but anyways, what we see here is, in essence, the beginning of a church. It's really how the church got planted in this city. And I think that's one of the things that I want us to just catch. Maybe our first point. You know, I forgot the clicker up here. Um, you, sure, I can, if you could throw it up there. And if I forget to click it, feel free to do that for as well. But I get the laser. That's what I really like. So we'll get that. Um, so anyways, let's see. The first four here. So we're going to start right here. You know, and I think um, for starters, uh, I just want to thank everyone who's helped the last couple weeks uh, work on the warehouse. As some of you know, we've been uh, cleaning up the warehouse up the street here at 33rd and Tejon. Maybe just a quick show of hands if in the last two weeks you've helped with the warehouse cleaning at all. Anyone? Okay, everyone got their hand. All right, good, good. Well, appreciate your help there. You know, um, 
in a lot of ways, we're, um, we've been praying about if God is moving us to use that building or not. And we're really still in the praying, the investigating, the estimating the cost on it. And so the cleanup that we've done thus far is kind of just a, a good faith uh, measure that we're showing to the owner of the building there, saying, we're very interested. We don't want you to, to give it to someone else before we get a chance to, uh, to you know, to decide and make you an offer or something here. So we've been helping clean it up. And so it's really come a long way. I've been tracking it. I take pictures before we got there and after the first cleanup and then some pictures yesterday and it's really come a long ways and it's it's kind of been fun. Um, if you're like me, that you realize there's some serious dust in that building. So I was, when you start blowing your nose and things like that, you find out that place is kind of quite a mess there. But um, anyways, um, one of the things that I think um, we're trying to decide, you can join us and continue praying, is God, uh, you know, are you leading us to that building or not? Is, that, is it your will for us to set up shop there, to use that to accomplish the mission you've given us? Or do you have something different? You know, there is a, another church that's hoping to move in here and meet upstairs in coming months. I think maybe July is what they're aiming for. And so we've been just praying about, um, God, are you moving us on? And if so, are you moving us on to this warehouse? So please join us as we continue to pray about that. There's some doors that have been opening, but really we're in a phase right now of kind of doing some design work on how would we set up church and then what would we want it to look like and then what's the associated price tag with that So, um, and then can we afford it. So we're, we're just continuing to pray and estimate the cost and please join us in that. But one thing I do know, regardless of uh, where God moves us from here to there to wherever, I do get a sense that God... Um, he wants to move the church forward. He's got plans for us, but a lot of that has to do with reminding us of why we're here in the first place. Why did we even bring a team of people down from Fort Collins? They left uh, one of the greatest cities in the United States to live in, a lot of good friends and a lot of good breweries, and they came down here to, um, to start a church. You know, why are we here? And um, I think in the answer to that, why are we here, it would, it'll just remind us and spur us on to what we're trying to do in the first place. And as we look at what they were doing in, in, uh, before they started this church in, in Philippi, we just see a few things here. One was um, they had just concluded that the reason they moved on and they didn't go north or south, they went uh, to Macedonia here that was because they sensed God was calling them there. And I love this, this statement here, just that God, we concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of that district. And when I see that, it reminds me of what, some of the reasons why we came to Denver in the first place. We sent a few reconnaissance teams down to kind of check out the spiritual climate of Denver. We came down on a spring break, um, fall of, uh, or no, spring of, spring break is usually in the spring, um, spring of 04. And then we had a summer team stay down here and get jobs. A lot of people took on some lucrative employment at, uh, at Elitch, who's down the street there. Lucrative, depending on your, what you call lucrative, I guess. Uh, it's probably paid seven bucks an hour or something at the time, you know. And so, um, but we came down to explore the city and kind of see is there a need for a church like ours, for uh, people getting out, active with the gospel, trying to make disciples. And we concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel here. One of the other things that stood out about Denver is that Denver is 
It's not an ordinary city. It's in a lot of ways like uh, Philippi was here. It's, a, it's kind of a, a leading city. It's got international access. Uh, it's one of the largest airports in the world. It's got you know travel from Denver. You can get to all over the world. Um, it's a strategic city in that Denver has uh, the the Auraria campus there. How many of you are students or have been students at the Auraria campus down there? Uh, a lot of us, or a lot of you, not me. Um, but when you put the uh, the enrollment of the campus there, it's, it kind of ebbs and flows, but it's around 40,000 students enrolled at the Auraria campus, making it the single largest campus in the state of Colorado. And those were some of the things that drew us to Denver, that it's this, a strategic city. You can reach out, obviously, regionally and internationally from this city, right in the campus there. It's in our own backyard. There's 40,000 people to reach. Um, and and so that's, that's some of the reasons why we came here. It's just good good to remember and think back on that. And um, as we look at when they landed in the city, here's some things that they did. We're gonna we're just gonna look at. The, so we're gonna move forward. I think as a church, God wants us to move forward by going back to the basics, going back to what we started here for in the first place. Our vision to reach the lost. Um, Let's see, our mission, we're trying to make disciples of all nations and preach the gospel throughout the world. And um, I think another thing that we started off doing that I think God's just going to call us right back to the basics uh, are frequent, fervent, faith-filled prayer. We just, when we first got to town, one thing, if we did anything a lot, we prayed a ton. And then we prayed and shared the gospel as much as we had opportunity, but sometimes the gospel opportunities are directly related to your prayer about gospel opportunities as we see in this chapter here. Um, and then, um, you know, the goal is just to, to be sharing the gospel, not just for the heck of it, not just to keep a clear conscience that I'm doing my job, but to share the gospel in such a way that you see God moving on your behalf as you share, even as we do in Lydia's story right here. And so, um, just just keep praying. Catch that theme. I think that's a theme God has for the church, moving us forward by going back to the basics here. Um, let's see here. We're going to look at a few things from Lydia's example, Lydia's life that's recorded here. It's just... You know, there's a number of people in the early New Testament church, but Lydia is one of them that God chose to take her story, her response to the gospel, and record it for eternity. It says God's words are eternal. And she, um, her response, I think, was worth recording. And we're just going to look at a few things. On Lydia's response, I think there's two, two things we can learn from. One is... Maybe if you're on the side of uh, trying to figure out your faith. You know, when they found her, she was not a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, She was a worshiper of God as much as she knew of God. But she was not a Christian at that point. But she seemed open to to what God might have for her. And so, on one side, you might be searching this out. Some of these points will apply to you as one who's seeking God out and God's truth. On the other side, maybe you have received and you've taken some of the steps that Lydia did. And, and I really think this list becomes a prayer list of things you can ask God for. Ask God to do things just like He did with Lydia. And so I hope that you catch one side or the other of that. But the first one was, it says that Lydia was listening. They showed up, they're looking for a place to pray, but somehow their, their prayer meeting turns into a, a Lydia getting saved here. And so, I just love how it says there, 
One of those listening was a woman named Lydia. And, and I think that's something to, to ask yourself. If you're trying to figure this out, and, you know, I know some that are trying to strengthen their faith or really find out if Jesus is who they're going to put their trust in. But are you listening? You know, so many times we run into people on campus and other places that... They're, they're there, they kind of pretend like they're listening. They're not listening. They have a list of questions that we run into them all the time. Somebody's got a hundred questions, and the reality is they don't want an answer. They just want to keep a bunch of questions. And if they throw enough questions at you, someone trying to share your faith, you'll just leave them alone. You'll assume maybe you'll start thinking, boy, I don't even know why I'm trying to share this with them. There's so many questions. But, um, you know, that's... A bunch of questions is not to be confused with someone who's actually listening. Because if you're listening, there's a lot of good answers to a lot of those questions. And Lydia was listening. And another thing we can pray, but you can pray on the other side of it is, how many of you like when someone shows up and they actually have a question and they actually mean for it to get answered and they actually want to listen to you? It's a blessing when someone is truly listening. And we need to pray for those. These guys show up and um, I don't think it was an accident. I think these, they were praying often for opportunities to share Christ with people. And the fact that they looked for a place to pray and there was a like, yeah, they're willing to listen to the gospel. It was just, a, I think it tied in again to their prayer lives as well. Um, so listening, let's keep moving here. Another thing was that... Um, her heart was open to respond to the message. It said that the Lord um, opened her heart to respond. And again, double-sided thing. If you're searching it out, if you feel God touching your heart, moving on your heart, I encourage you to, to respond to that. I know in my own life there was times that I, I sensed God was working on my heart. And, uh, you know, it was just like He was using all sorts of things to speak to me, whether it was the radio, the music I was listening to, or some teaching on the radio I heard, or some meeting I went to, and it just seemed like God was constantly uh, moving on my heart, and there was a few times where I heard these altar call things, and I was like ready to just go jump forward, and I don't know, I held myself back, and um, but Lydia didn't. She responded when the Lord prompted her heart, and I encourage you to be the same. Have a sensitive, responsive heart if the Lord's moving on it, and and also, on the flip side, pray that the Lord opens up people's hearts. You want someone to, you know, maybe you're like, oh, I've never seen someone pray and receive Christ and start following Him. Um, well, are you praying? Are you asking God to move on someone's heart, to cause them to respond to the gospel? Because I, I guarantee Paul and them were. Um, you see that in their prayers many times. Um, another thing here we see, she was baptized you know, it doesn't say the exact timetable, but it was it was very rapidly. She hears the gospel, she responds to it, she gets baptized. And and those in her household who, who came to believe as well, they got baptized quickly. And I'm just very encouraged about this last week. We did our we did four baptisms and each one had a, a different story. You know, there was kind of four different stories of when someone had gotten saved to when they took the step of baptism. Some uh, some took that step pretty quickly related to when they came to faith in Christ. Some took took it a while later and maybe they didn't understand it for a while maybe someone didn't share it with them but it was just uh, the one of the things I came away with was independent of how long it took someone to get baptized the next thing that God calls you to obey you can do it quickly you can do it immediately you don't have to wait for any reason you know and, um, and also the other side of the coin was 
up here with four people getting baptized, what I saw was eight people obeying Christ. There was four of them who were taking the step to get baptized, and the four other ones were following Jesus' word when he said, hey, you, go make disciples, and, and you baptize them. And there were eight steps of obedience up here, and we need to be praying for people getting baptized. It's on their heart to do that. We need to be praying for opportunities that we do the baptizing. You might ask yourself, when was the last time I built a relationship with someone, I helped lead them to Christ, and they wanted me to baptize them uh, because of that role in their lives. And Let's just be praying for more and more opportunities like that. Um, the last one I like here, I thought was just real neat, is that um, she had um, Lydia, so she, she responds to the message, she gets baptized, and then she shows some other evidence. I think getting baptized is a step where you publicly proclaim, hey, I identify with Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. And you tell people publicly. But there's sometimes where, where people will, you know, maybe they get saved, they pray a prayer, they get baptized, and then their spiritual life, it just kind of flatlines. It's kind of, uh, you know, those whatever those things are that check the heartbeats, and, and it just, doo, right after baptism. And I think in Lydia, you don't see that at all. You see someone I just really love. She's very bold, even with her newfound faith. And she says to the Apostle Paul, if you consider me a believer in the Lord... Come and stay at my place. And, and I see two, two things there. One is her, her boldness. She's basically saying, Hey, look, I, I've responded to this message. I've received Christ. I've publicly declared my faith. And now, Paul, if you think I'm a genuine believer, why don't you come stay with me? And, and that's pretty bold. Sometimes people are like, Yeesh, you know, don't ask them questions because they might uh, give you the wrong answer. Maybe it shakes their faith early on because, um, you know, you just want to walk on eggshells around them. Make sure you don't call them to do anything drastic because they're new believers but Lydia just jumped right in she's like hey look if this whole thing's true why don't you come stay with me and, and Paul was persuaded the other thing that you see here is um, in that there was a, a, the fruit of hospitality even in the next story we see of the jailer here um, there was a, the fruit of being hospitable she, she just immediately opened up her home to four there was at least four people we know there's Paul there's Silas um, there's Luke um, let me see Paul Silas Luke Timothy and she said hey you guys come stay with me you know when was the last time you said found four people that you didn't hardly know at all and said hey come stay at my house we'll take care of you we'll roll out the red carpet for you hospitality is a, a gift of the spirit and so she just showed some evidences right off the bat and so when you're um, you know, just, if you're in this you want to just make sure hey I'm a follower of Christ and it's okay to uh, step out in that new that new identity we have that new faith um, and likewise, you know, I encourage you to pray for people to take those steps. Pray that God helps them to just hit the ground running and just take off, whether it's inviting people into their home, whether it's being bold about their faith and, and how strongly they believe it. But that's something we can pray for as well here. Um, those are just a few things that uh, I thought about related to, um, to Lydia's life here. Um, and these are all things, again, as we're praying, ask God for people who will listen. Ask God for, uh, that He would move on the heart of the person you're talking to. Ask God for people to get baptized and for people, for you to baptize. Ask for evidences that God would bring them about of their faith. Um, so let's see here. The next one, and really this is the last section we're going to cover. You know, I saw so many different points here that I was trying to narrow them down, but we're going to, we're going to stop even short of the, the area where I asked about, um, what must I do to be saved? We'll look at that next week here. But we're going to look at a section of uh, Paul and Silas as they uh, 
how they responded to trials and suffering in their lives. And that's going to be our kind of our wrap-up uh, point here for today. But if you join me again with your Bibles, um, we're going to continue reading verse 16. And we're going to read about um, down to... Let's see here. I think we're going to read down to verse 28. 16 to 28. And we're going to pick up with Paul and Silas again here. Uh, Once we were going to the place of prayer, again on the way to prayer, where we met a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled, he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off into the marketplace to face the authorities. Uh, They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. And we're just going to look at this kind of first section of the story. Um, next week we'll continue with um, what happens after that. But really the thing that, uh, that's, that uh, I want to focus on here, the thing that I felt like stood out to me from this, this passage was just how Paul and Silas dealt with these sufferings. Especially, um, you know, especially verse 25. You know, if you could just imagine the scene here. They, they have been beaten severely they've been thrown into prison they even uh, have their feet fastened in these stocks and here it is midnight and you find Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them and that's just that's just a profound response to the situation they found themselves in I'm still kind of dumbfounded that here was the scenario they were walking through and here was their actions they chose you know, to carry out. It's just they seem so disconnected from what we experience in our own lives a lot of times. And um, some things we're going to look at here is just um, one of the ways we can often respond is just naturally we respond to, to our circumstances. You know, we can let them um, uh, just our... our 
our circumstances determine our reality for us. If, if our circumstances are going well, we're having a great day. This is an awesome day. Everything's working out well for me. People are, you know, uh, on time. Traffic's getting out of the way. My boss is being nice. Everything's going well. Or, or sometimes our, our circumstances can be bad. Oh, you know, I was late to work. I was this and that. And our circumstances can directly affect our reality. And, and we just have to watch out for that. That's a, that's an error we can make is that, um, you know, that's a natural thing to do. Things are bad, you feel bad and sad. Things are good and you're happy. And the problem is that that just creates this emotional roller coaster ride and you're just kind of living life based on your emotions, based on your circumstances. And that's, um, you know, that's not how Paul and Silas handled their, their challenges, their trials. Um, they didn't handle them naturally or, or just based on their circumstances. Um, let's see, uh, I think sometimes I think it'd be fun to or just imagine what songs did they sing in prison? What, what prayers did they pray? So that they're in prison, it's midnight. I don't know if you can remember the last time you were up at midnight with one of your roommates praying. Anyone remember that? It's probably been a while. It's something we don't normally do. You know, I'm thinking if I were in prison and have all these wounds that are trying to heal, I would have been out. I would have found a way to fall asleep as soon as I could, you know, tolerate the pain. I'd be, be out. And these guys were not only awake, you know, they could have been just moaning and complaining. They were praying. It, it takes a spiritual effort and strength to pray, especially when you're wounded and it's at midnight in the middle of a prison there. But, but they were praying. But, you know, if you handled your... Uh, if you dealt with a situation in your trials just based on your emotions, the song I imagine we'd be singing, most of us would be singing, um, is the song, you know the song, uh, Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Except for maybe Silas, because he's sitting here right here next to me. But, um, you know, I think that's what we would naturally tend to. We just kind of, whatever our situations are, well, I'm bummed out and I'm just going to tell you about it. Um, or there's another way to deal with um, our circumstances, kind of respond unnaturally to them. I don't know if you, you know what I mean by that, but some people maybe have a bent for your up and down and your circumstances, or maybe you just have a bent for being negative all the time. You know, woe is me. It's kind of the Eeyore personality. Well, there's the other way we can err, and that's in the uh, kind of the hyper positive sort of personality there um, where it's just like we you know we just change reality and make it some sort of altered state of reality and we go you know I actually like flogging that was really cool you know maybe we could do that again flogging is so awesome you know it makes me just feel so alive I use all these senses and nerves that I never used before you know this is so cool um, you know and there's there's the people that can tend towards always negative see the glass half empty and some can always see it as half full even if it's just almost really empty. You know, they just, there's a way of thinking. Um, some of you, have you ever read the, the book, The Power of Positive Thinking? Anyone read that before? That's a good, uh, oh, you haven't, so you got to read that. <laughs> Not really. That's a good one that was prescribed to me in my Amway days. You know, it's kind of like, you just got to see everything as positive. You know, how's it going? I know you got in a car crash. How, how are you doing, Richard? Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, it's just a matter of perspective, you know. Um, and so, uh, they, I've heard things about the power of positive thinking. I think there's some things in there that are helpful. There's some Bible verses and stuff. But when you kind of have to live in an altered state of reality, when something's really terrible and you see it always as positive, it's just people, you know, start to look at you funny if you have that happy-go-lucky attitude, you know. And so, um, 
Some of you might have heard the quote before. The, the author of The Power of Positive Thinking, uh, anyone know his name? Norman Vincent Peale. Who said that? Good answer. If I had another donut, I'd throw it out there. But uh, uh, Norman Vincent Peale. That's right. Right answer, though. Um, but um, I heard a quote once that I thought was pretty cool, talking about you know uh, Norman Vincent Peale, and we're talking about the Apostle Paul here, who's uh, rejoicing even though he's he's got these uh, these trials. But said something like uh, the quote goes. Uh, I find I find Peel appalling and Paul appealing. So that's uh, so. Hopefully, if you think about that for a while, you catch what it's saying there. But Norman Vincent Peel is just see it all positive. So if you were singing a song, you've been beaten, you've been flogged, you've been stripped, you're thrown in prison, you're in stocks. If you have a happy-go-lucky attitude, the song I imagine you'd be singing is a, it's an old Billy Idol song. I don't know if uh, you guys would recognize it or not. It's called Dancing with Myself. Dancing with Myself. You know, it's, uh, you just have to be living. You know, imagine these guys are in prison and there's altered reality, and they're just like, you know, having this party and kind of uh, dancing with themselves. But it's that would be disconnected from reality. You know, so it's like we can err on nobody knows my troubles, or we can err on dancing with myself. But these guys, they had a. You know, they responded to their, their situation supernaturally. It wasn't uh, uh, based on their circumstances, didn't determine their reality. They didn't live in an altered state of reality, but they lived uh, in light of a greater reality. And I think we have to catch that. I'm sure they were very sober about what they had just been through. They had just taken a severe beating. Uh, and I think they probably hurt. And I think they, they probably could ask them, how are you feeling? And Paul would have said, my back really hurts right now, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think they would have said, I'm fantastic, you know. Or I don't think they would have said, you know, what prayers were they praying were there? If, if he was kind of the E or type, Paul would have been like, Lord... Here I am again, beaten again, imprisoned again. Lord, this is an awesome Christian life of following you. You know, um, I just assume I'll end up in prison, but it's for you, Lord. You know, some sort of a woe is me prayer. But, but you know, I don't think that's what Paul was praying. I don't think that's what Silas was praying. Um, I think you get a little tidbit of what they might have been praying and singing about when you see the jailer's response. You know, the jailer comes up to him afterwards and goes, How do I get saved? You know, I wonder if they weren't singing about their salvation. You know, I think of the song, He is Mighty to Save. It wasn't written back then, but that's one of the songs I think about singing, that He is mighty to save. Uh, He can move the mountains. He could get me out of this prison if He wants to. He raised Jesus from the grave. You know, I I think they were singing something like that. And they were probably praying things. If you just imagine what their prayers would have been like, knowing what we know about Paul and Silas and what's recorded in the New Testament, I wonder if they weren't giving thanks. You know, Lord, we hit the city of Philippi, and right off the bat you saved Lydia. And you saved her whole household. And if we didn't come to this city for any other reason but for you to do that, praise you, God. Thank you for using us in that. Um, I imagine they were giving thanks for their own salvation, how God had saved them. Um, I think they were also probably giving thanks that they knew their wounds, though they're painful now, that they would be rewarded in eternity uh, with, with great weight uh, of glory for that reward. And one of the verses we're just going to look at on, on this, this is one of the ways we know what, what Paul might have been thinking is because he uh, expresses it you know, in different places. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you want to turn there with me, this is something that might help us um, 
catch the light of the greater reality that these guys were living in here. In verse, uh, it's Second Corinthians chapter four, page eleven forty-four, and verse sixteen says, "Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us." an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, um, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I think there's something we've got to catch there to, to be on this mission we are, we're on, that we're going to face persecution, that if we uh, respond to our trials and suffering supernaturally, uh, I think we're going to be rewarded for it. It says right here, there's a... You'll experience a glory, a weight of glory based on how you handle your trials. You know, um, I heard John Meyer say once, he was just talking about a lot of our lives will be summed up in the faith that we express, the faith that we had in this life and how we expressed it in love. And each one of us is given different circumstances in our life that we must express faith. And we will each have the opportunity to be measured glory and eternal glory for how we handle those, those trials, those things that require faith in our lives. And each one of your trials will be different, but you have a chance to, to walk in a glory of trusting God through that, that um, no one else has the same identical opportunity as you. And they saw this. You know, they, they didn't deny, hey, we live in reality on planet earth here we deal with gravity Paul dealt with gravity it wasn't like they they defied the laws that we have physical laws right now but but they also knew that these things that they are experiencing are temporary it's very real I'm sure they had very real scars and stripes on their backs and their wounds but they also were, were viewing that in light of a very real eternity. And, you know, it's just amazing that they could say our life troubles, our momentary troubles. You know, when you start comparing things to eternity, uh, you know, maybe it took them a week to heal the wounds that they got from their beating. Um, but a week compared to an eternal glory um, that you receive for trusting God through that. He's saying it's, it's momentary, it's nothing. And it's light. You know, the suffering is light compared to how heavily God rewards trusting Him and the glory that He gives to that. And I just think Paul and Silas saw this and they lived in light of a greater reality. And we need to do the same. You know, we need to... Um, tackle the trials we have. I know some of you have trials going on right now. You have some suffering that you're going through and and the question just becomes, uh, are you going to handle it? Just your circumstances are going to determine your reality for you or are you going to live in some altered state of reality? I'm fine, I'm perfect, nothing's the matter. Or in a state of a reality that, that there's a greater reality out there. I endure this temporarily because I know there's greater things yet to come. And I just uh, encourage you to, to ask God for that. that. That sort of response doesn't happen accidentally. You show up in trouble and you go, Yahoo, more glory or something. You know, I think it's something you, we need to have our minds renewed in God's perspective. In an eternal perspective, we need to ask God, God, give me a uh, supernatural response to this situation because I'm not feeling supernatural right now. And anyway, that's a, just a thought we're going to close on there. Next week, we're going to look at some more of this response to their prayers and the things that God brought about um, by the prayers of Paul and Silas there. But we're going to close right here with just a prayer and we will get on our way. Lord Jesus, I do thank you for the examples that you've given us in the scriptures. 
Lord, I thank you for the example of Lydia's life. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us, whether we're believers in you or whether we're still searching it out, Lord, that you would help us to be listening. God, help us each to be listening to you now, uh, today. Lord, help us to respond when we do hear what you're saying, that we respond obediently, whether uh, it's like baptism or whether it's something else you want us to do that's uh, part of just being righteous and obeying you and doing your will. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would just also help us just to be bold in our faith, to continue to show the evidence of this new life you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like Paul and Silas, who responded supernaturally to their trials, Lord. Um, God, they just had a perspective of eternity, Lord. So often we don't think about eternity, and we just live in the here and now, Lord, which just can lead to such a roller coaster life, or can lead to uh, motives that are short-lived and temporary, even selfish, because your motives are, are eternal, Lord. And I just pray you'd help us, Lord. Help us to deal with the trials that you have before us. Help us to respond supernaturally that we would receive um, uh, just an amazing weight of glory uh, when you measure it out in the end. But Lord, we just thank you again for these examples. Pray you continue to lead and guide our church here. Help us to get back to the basics, of, um, Lord, of, of planting the church. We just pray for this together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I want to thank you guys for coming uh, this morning.